This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. The um, Texas Tech Red Raider football team, Jamie, made a personnel change yesterday. Just as we, <laughs> just as we talked about this yesterday, hey, kind of a surprise. No staff changes. Nobody moving. Nobody going up. Nobody has to leave. And then uh, later on in the afternoon, uh, we learned that Stephen Hamby, Texas Tech's offensive line coach, and he has been in that spot for the last couple of years, has been uh, let go and uh, and has. Uh, the Red Raiders are going to move on and and go to a different offensive line coach. Um, I don't know about the timing, whether it's curious or not. I mean, that's kind of when these types, this is the time of year when these types of things happen. But uh, obviously they made a decision that they were going to go really? uh, in a different I mean, direction. Don't, don't you feel like these kind of things are done in December? Well, here's, well, two things, maybe so, but you, but right around, right around national signing day, which, the early the early signing period basically has taken that over now, but there's always been kind of some times around National Signing Day, which is the first Wednesday in February, where the few days after coaches always leave or sometimes are are shoved out or you find out that they're no longer there. So that's when National Signing Day was a thing, and yeah, in, in, and it's in it's February. not it's, it's yeah it's 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 not a it's not a it's not a thing. I mean, I don't even know if Tech's going to sign anybody tomorrow. My guess is no. They may they may announce something, but I mean, for the most part, they've done all of their work. Uh, and and most schools are are in this same boat. I mean, you won't have the the national signing day specials. I mean, those those all took place back on December the twenty first. I think this um, is so a really I, I think this is a really odd time. Okay. Um, and, and maybe maybe somebody came available that they really like um, the uh, the AJ reporting that it's without cause. So um, that mm-hmm. so that means that sometime that that at some point in time they made a they made a decision that philosophically he wasn't who they wanted. Um, at least that's what they're that's what that implies because they're gonna they're gonna owe him seventy percent of his contract, <clears throat> which. For this coming year was three hundred twenty thousand uh, dollars, and three thirty next year. Now it's offset, you know, if he gets another job. So if he gets another job making two hundred grand, um, then uh, you know they'll still owe him just a, a, you know a little bit of money. But uh, you know may, maybe maybe it's maybe it is real curious. Were you you're, so you're really surprised? I just think it's an odd time. I think if you, you yeah. know, if during the season you said, hey, we need to upgrade or we need to make a change, I would have guessed it would have been, you know, after the bowl game, mm-hmm. you know, right in that area or even maybe even before the bowl game. I don't think mm-hmm. you would wait the month of January. Um, I, I, like you said a minute ago, maybe somebody came available that they really like or, um, you know, maybe there's a possibility of they just feel like uh, – after having meetings and stuff like that, that they felt like uh, there's a difference in philosophy, uh, and so they want to go in a different direction. But again, why wouldn't you have had those meetings a month ago? Yeah, or, or maybe you did. Maybe you just kind of went, okay, we've. It's not going to change, so we're going to do something different. Um, but 
and look, I, I, I can't sit here and say that technique wise or anything else wise that, that, um, what he was doing as the coach was the reason for your struggles offensively last year, right? Um, no, I, I, I would, I would agree. I would, I would say the offensive line had some good and there was some bad and some good last year. I don't, um, I don't think it was the strength that coach McGuire thought it was going to be, but mm-hmm. I also don't think it was just horrendous. I don't, I don't we've seen much worse, uh, for the Red Raiders. So, um, I just, um, I don't know. I, I again, I, I feel like it, it wasn't as good as we thought it was going to be, or hoped it was going to be, and that was definitely disappointing. Yeah, I mean, he told us, you know, when we had him on, he's Coach McGuire said it was going to be a strength. Now, mm-hmm. you you could you could say you could say that they were improved in their run blocking with with what you got out of Taj Brooks and others, right? Yeah, but, but I mean, somebody said this to me recently, and I think it's a good point when I said that same thing about, hey, you ran the ball really well this year. They deserve some credit for that. And the person said to me, yeah, and your running back led the country in yards after contact. So <laughs> not as if they were opening up <laughs> massive holes for him. Okay. You know, he wasn't getting touched to the second level. So, you know, I, I think offensive line and a, a, okay and uh, Taj Brooks deserve credit for that. Okay, I think it was a combo effort. So again, I, I don't think the offensive line was a disaster this year. I just don't think it was the strength that Coach McGuire thought it was going to be. Do you think this is one of those deals where they decided that they had to? But but here's the other thing: it goes back to what you said just a few minutes ago that if you were going to hang a body, so to speak, or that if you were going to send a message to the rest of your staff or to the fan base, you'd have done this and you'd have done this right after Christmas, right, right after the bowl game. Yeah, you'd so, have said, so we're, I don't. We're, we're going to move in. We're going to move in a different direction. Now you, you make you make a great point on that. Yeah, so I don't know if, um, you know, again, they were sitting down talking about the future and those kind of things and just felt like he wasn't the guy. I'm, I'm not really sure. Yeah, or, or, they, or they just kind of came to a realization. Maybe they said to him, hey, here's some things that you need to work on, you know, between now and the start of spring football, and those things weren't done. Or maybe, maybe. maybe Maybe coach said, let's go. And he said, I'm not ready to go. <laughs> or, or maybe it came down to, we need you to do a better job of recruiting, or we need you to make X number of calls per day, or we need you to improve your uh, ability to connect with the student athlete or with the parents or with the handlers or something along those lines. And, and maybe that was a skill set that he didn't have. You know, I'm I'm curious sometimes with all these high-powered um, hires that that take place, like you know, at, at, at offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. And obviously, he wasn't at that level, but somebody has to get out there and do the grunt work in the high schools, and somebody has to get out there and and be the relationship guy beyond beyond just your wide receiver coach. Um, so maybe maybe it was one of those deals that um, he just wasn't making the inroads, or maybe they got feedback with the high from the high school coaches saying, "Hey, man, you're sending this guy to us, and uh, we're not we're not connecting, or we're not feeling the love, or he's not listening to us, or he's just not a very good salesperson." Maybe maybe that's what it came down to. Maybe it wasn't 
uh, X's and O's. Maybe it was about getting the Johnnies and Joes. I actually heard that it was he hadn't shaken Chuck hand uh, Chuck Hines's hand yet, so that's why he was let go. Uh, so uh, okay. me- mental note to all the coaches out there: make sure you ch- shake Chuck's hand. That could be a fireable offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, because you can confirm he hasn't shaken your hand. Uh, See, Chuck I, doesn't know. That leads me to believe it hasn't happened. I, I want. I want to say. I want to say. I. I want to say yes, but it's been some time. But it's not like. It's not like I've gone out of my way to do that. So that's that's a little bit on me too. That's a little bit on me too. Uh, somebody says this, Chuck. By definition, that is for cause. Well, I'm sure there's some specific behavioral type things that are um, in those contracts for clauses. I mean, you don't just sign a paper. You don't sign somebody to a contract well over 300 grand and say, you know, here's, there's probably specifics obviously in in that. Um, So we'll don't know, but you know, I know this, that when you, when you have an organization that brings in $146 million and you fire a guy that's making 320, uh, it sounds like that you've got the ability to and the affordability to fire him. That's what that tells me, right? Yeah, and and probably go get somebody else that you really like. Yeah, and the the, the person that you really like may cost you more mm-hmm. because you may have to poach him from somebody else. Um, because you know if you're gonna if you're gonna upgrade, uh, usually the upgrade costs more than what the previous grade did. So. It'll be interesting to see uh, what they do at that offensive line. And then how does that offensive line improve next year or over the next couple of years? And what does this say about your offense and your offensive coordinator? Because he's the one that brought him in. I mean, you have to say that. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Time for this day in sports history. Today is February 6th. 2024. Here is Jeff McGuire with the state in sports history. Yes, I do. 1958. British European Airways flight 609 crashed on its third attempt to take off at my at Munich Rhyme Airport in Munich, West Germany. On board, 21 dead in the crash. Eight of those were players and three of those were staff of Manchester United's football team. 1970. NBA expands to 18 teams with Buffalo, Cleveland, Houston, and Portland being added. 1973. Phil Bailey scores 17 off the bench and an essential Southwest and eventual Southwest Conference champion Texas Tech tops Arkansas for a 17th straight time in Lubbock, 73 to 64. Hmm. <laughs> Chuck like beating Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, right. 1990, Brett Hall becomes the first son of an NHL 50 goal scorer, being Bobby Hall in this case, to also score 50 goals. 1998, Twins trade Chuck Knobloch to, to the New York Yankees for third, $3 million dollars. And four minor leaguers. And then he got the yips. They had to put him in yet left field. That's what you get for trading for an Aggie. (laughs) And 2011, 
Super Bowl in Cowboy Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Green Bay Packers beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 31 to 25. Aaron Rodgers, your MVP. Mm. Why is that one upset you? I just said, mm. that doesn't upset me. I just I was just thinking about that's that was 13 years ago. That Graham was, Harrell that was got a long time ago. Ring. It is National Chopsticks Day. Uh, do you know how to use chopsticks? I used to. Really, Jamie? I've never tried. Um, yeah, I I might have tried once, but I uh, I I don't have the dexterity to be able to do that. I would want to use them as drumsticks as opposed to chopsticks. I bet if you gave me ten minutes, I could, you know, get a piece of chicken in my mouth or something. <laughs> Yes, but could you catch a fly with chopsticks? Yeah. Oh, you beginner's luck. Um, <laughs> we were at dinner the other night, and uh, my son-in-law he 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 requested chopsticks with dinner. So I mean, he's 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 got the ability to do it, and I think the young phenom has got the ability to do that as well. Both those guys impressive. were able to. Yeah, it's impressive, right? Happy birthday to Axel Rose, who's sixty-two. Rick Ashley, 58, Chris Humphreys, 39, and Tom Brokaw, 84. <laughs> Tom Brokaw is 84. Tom Brokaw. You know. <laughs> Isn't that Walter Cronkite? Nope. Tom Brokaw is the Achilles Laurel guy. He couldn't say it. Oh, okay. is what he always said. And in 1952, after a long illness, King George VI of Great Britain and Northern Ireland dies in his sleep at the royal estate in uh, in England. Princess Elizabeth, the older of the king's two daughters and the next in line to succeed him, was in Kenya at the time of her father's death. Death. She was officially crowned Queen Elizabeth II on June 2nd, 1953 at the age of 27, a title that she held until er, 2023 when she passed away. Long Man, time she queen. had a long run, didn't she? She did, and that is this day in sports history. And you, you said the uh, Texas Tech player was Bill Bailey. Is that what you said? Mm, I said Phil Bailey, P H I L Bailey. Oh, Phil, Phil Bailey. Okay, because immediately I thought, and I, I did you think it of so the old savings would... and loan? No, no, I did not think of the old savings and loan. I thought of the song, Bill Bailey, Won't You Come Home? Bill Bailey, Won't You Come Home? <laughs> That's that song. You ever I heard that song, Jamie? Won't you come home, Bill Bailey? Won't you come home? She moans the whole one. day long. I'll do the cooking, darling. I'll pick, anyway, I don't sing it very well, but. That's more lyrics of any song that you've ever known in the history of ever. <laughs> I'm looking at the words, oh, so I'm cheating. Okay, <laughs> I'm cheating. I was like, "Wow, Chuck!" I'm cheating. It's the it's not how I remembered it though. Um, I didn't know that it was. Won't you come home, Bill Bailey? Won't you come home? She moans the whole day long. I'll do the cooking, darling. I'll pay the rent. I know I've done you wrong. <laughs> that doesn't sound very good for Bill Bailey. If if uh, Mrs. Bill Bailey has done her done him wrong, does it? Sounds like uh, more information in the Bailey family household than I really cared to know. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yes. Okay. Um, I saw this yesterday, and um, I, I really wish that I had brought it up uh, on our show, but it was it was after it was after the fact. Ten years ago, ten years ago, yesterday was National Signing Day 2014. And among those signed on uh, National Signing Day 10 years ago was Dakota Allen, uh, Nigel Bethel, who never worked out. Um, and then there was this guy by the name of Patrick Mahomes, signed 10 years ago yesterday by the Texas Tech Red Raiders. He was recruited by Cliff Kingsbury. Here's what Coach Kingsbury had to say in the release that was sent out by Texas Tech. I'm excited about getting Pat here on campus. He is an incredibly talented young man that has not yet scratched the surface of his potential. You know, we we get those things uh, and we kind of look at them and go, yeah, 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 yeah. But that was one that tr- proved to be pretty, pretty accurate, Jamie. Yeah, he was, uh, I don't think he had scratched his potential yet. No, no doubt. That's, that's probably fair. Uh, yeah, that is, that is probably fair. Uh, I, then, think, uh, I think we know why of, you didn't, of, I think we know why you didn't bring this up though yesterday. I didn't know, to be honest with okay. you. I, I, I honestly didn't. I didn't know that it was. I did not know that it was. That was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, yeah was yesterday was not the day to be talking about the Mahomes. No, it wasn't. But we talked about it. I mean, we talked about that um, his dad a little bit. But um, here's here's the other thing that Coach Kingsbury said. Um, the, that the Sunday, I want to coach offensive. Uh, co- I want to be the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. No, he was asked, "Is he is he good on his feet?" He said, that's what I would say is his biggest deal is able to extend the play. Uh, he reminds me of the guy I coached at A&M with that ability. He keeps his eyes downfield. When everything is breaking down, he can still see downfield and find receivers downfield. I don't think he's tapped out at all. I think the football side of it, he hasn't worked at it as much because he plays all of the sports. I think when we refine his mechanics and get him in on our offense, I think the sky is the limit. Yeah, I think they're still trying to find the, the top of the sky. But anyway, I just thought that was interesting from from yeah. ten that he goes from signing to play college football to being in his fourth Super Bowl within ten years. He's definitely a guy that worked out. Yeah, he's a guy that worked out. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, seven fifty-five. Excuse me, six fifty-five this morning here on the morning drive. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the morning drive podcast from Double T ninety-seven-three, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. A feature game tonight will be Texas Tech and Baylor. Our coverage at seven, and the tip at eight, and we'll talk about it all night long. And I think the, and when uh, you look at. I think besides Oklahoma State, Houston, that's another really good slate there. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see um, Iowa State or Texas win there in uh, in Austin, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked to see BYU or Oklahoma win in Norman. It it that feels like uh, two toss up games right there to me. You know, when I when I was looking at the um, at the top twenty five games and looking at all the Big Twelve games that are you know featured tonight. Um, 
in all the matchups, it's just like, okay, there's other games tonight, but virtually with the exception maybe of the Houston-Oklahoma State game, all the games in the Big 12 might be better than any of the other games that are available out there. Now, Ole Miss is playing at South Carolina, but Ole Miss got smoked its last time out. Um, Butler, a team that that beat Tech, is playing at number one UConn tonight. Um, and and aside aside from that, maybe maybe this game between Utah State and Nevada, just because of you know maybe a a, a bit of a rivalry there. But that's that's pretty much it. And then you look at the Big Twelve, and it's like, okay, that's that's where all the action is, and uh, and it and it is again tonight. You know, the latest the latest poll was out on uh, on Monday. It was yesterday. KU's four. They'll go down. Houston's five. Their game is tonight. And then uh, then you have Baylor at thirteen. Iowa State at fourteen. BYU at twenty one. Texas Tech at at twenty three. And then. TCU is among those uh, receiving votes, as is uh, Texas and Oklahoma. So it uh, it remains stout, Jamie. Yes, no <laughs> to doubt. Say, to say to say the and, to say the very least, it, it here, remains stout. Here, here we were yesterday, thinking that K State was about to go away. Doesn't look like they uh, they went away last night. No, uh-uh. no, they 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 look like they're very much interested in uh, mm-hmm. in being a part of. Uh, of the party and not, not necessarily spoiling the party, but being a part of the party. So, you know, if, if Houston were to lose tonight, then, you know, if tech were to win and Iowa state were to win, then you'd have this, you know, massive, you know, tie atop the big 12 conference, just in terms of, of wins and losses, you know, there Houston was, there was a lot of thought that five, five losses would be it for the big 12 champion. Jamie, it might be, it might be six it might be six or seven yeah we'll see if somebody gets on a roll but man it's it's looking like it's going to be difficult to hold it to five yeah because i mean you know right right now you have obviously you have four teams with three losses but you know in the case of baylor and iowa state and tech uh those those three teams have played eight games Houston has played nine. They're getting ready to play their 10th. And Kansas has played 10, as has uh, Kansas State. Um, the others are are below that number. So, yeah, I mean, it's it very you very well easily could see the Big 12 champion with six losses, mm-hmm. um, which would mean 12 wins. But still and a top that, 10 team. But still a top 10 team. And you would still – I think you I think you're going to have eight teams um, – in the tournament when it's all said and done. Um, at least eight, maybe nine, at least, at least eight, maybe nine, maybe yeah. nine. And and what you're hoping right now is that, you know, your team, the red Raiders can, can win some games to not put themselves in a, in a bubble situation uh, where they're, where they're kind of fighting in the big 12 tournament to go, eh, we need to do, we need to do something there. Uh, I don't know if you saw this score last night or any of the, or any of the highlights, but this was this was crazy last night. Uh, the um, the Miami game. Uh, Miami scored its lowest total in uh, a college basketball game since they reinstated basketball. And to be honest with you, I'd forgotten that Miami basketball had gone away for a period of time. And I can't remember how many years it was gone, but it was gone until like the. 85, 86 season. So we're talking, you know, almost 40 years ago. But um, 
But last night they scored their lowest total since uh, since coming back to play basketball, and they're and this is a Final Four team uh, last year. They they scored thirty eight points in an ACC game. Jamie, they lost by twenty two. Virginia only got sixty last night. Yeah, Virginia's known Six. Virginia's known for playing really good defense, but that's a horrendous offensive. Yeah, night. yeah. And and here's the other thing that was really bizarre is Jim Laranaga, the Miami coach, stayed by himself at the bench during a timeout while his team met with the staff on the court. And, and after the game, at his press conference, he said, okay, let's go. Anybody got any questions? Um, and then a, a reporter asked him, he said, this game, he asked him what changed in the game in which the Hurricanes led at one point in time, seven to two. And Laranaga said, the game. They just outplayed us in every aspect of the game. We didn't play well. They played really well. Thank you for your attention. And then he left. <laughs> okay. Interesting. He 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 may be he may be done. I mean, it didn't didn't look like he had their attention or they had his attention. And you know, man, you, you you can't just walk away from your team, but maybe he's maybe he's frustrated with his team, and maybe he's frustrated that they're not listening to him, or that they're not running the game plan, or that they maybe he's trying to get their attention. I don't know, but thirty-eight points uh, doesn't look like he got their attention. No, <laughs> no, it does not look like he got their attention at all, at all. All right, so uh, let me give you a couple things about uh, tonight's uh, Lady Raider game. That here's a here's a concern. West Virginia, uh, as I told you earlier, leads um, the country in points off turnovers. Like for the year, around 27. In Big 12 play, they're at 24.7, so 25 points a game. They have forced their opponent to turn it over at least 20 times in every game. But one. Wow. They're 19 and two and eight and two in the Big 12. That one game was back on November the 25th against Southern Illinois, a game that they won 73 to 55. So the Lady Raiders are going to try to hold them to 63, 61 points tonight. Okay. That's that's what they feel like. They they feel like they've they're going to try to get to 71, but they got to feel like that West Virginia's got to be well below their average in order to win. 68 is their lowest number of points in a win this year. In order to do that, they got to cut the points uh, off turnovers in half, which means I, I don't think Tech can, can afford to have – they've got to be under, under 17 turnovers uh, on the ball game. And then the other thing is they can't give up any more than 24 or 25 points in the paint. And then the fast break points – which West Virginia is really good at. They average almost 13 a game and they average almost 35 points in the, in the paint per game, but you've got to get back on transition defense. So you can't turn the ball over because that's where it all starts. It leads to fast break. It leads to points in the paint and it leads to, it leads to big, big deficit, big, big wins for them. They have four times won their games in the big 12 with 80 or more points, nine times with 72 or more points. Um, they have a loss to Texas in which they only scored 49 and a loss to Iowa State in which they scored 64. The Iowa State loss is kind of the the one that you look at. But even in that game, 
Iowa State got to the free throw line 21 times. They were 19 of 21 from the free throw line, and and West Virginia was like four of six. So it's really, really, really critical that they that they take care of the basketball, and they have one of the best on ball defenders in the league, JJ Quinterly. She is she is terrific, and so you're going to have to really do a good job of of staying on guard of her and protecting the ball. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Time now for Jamie's question of the day on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3. All right, gentlemen, today I've got a two-parter for you, and it is involving Red Raider football. Question number one, what Red Raider football player would you like to see have a breakout 2024? Like, Just mm, take it to out. a much bigger level than they have so far. This is completely open. Uh, you can answer just about anybody. Okay. And the second part is, who do you think will actually have a breakout 2024? Oh, so who, who do, do we want think and, and who do who we do you want? want? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I, I don't know if this is, I mean, I, I want Baron Morton to have a, have a big season. Um, but you, you probably might tell me it's like, well, he, that he doesn't define breakout, but, I would also tell you, well, has he really broken out? I, so I, I'm going to. That would be my answer too, Chuck, of who I want, because yeah. that that I mean, he's been a solid quarter for quarterback for you. Don't get me wrong, but for him to break out and be, hey, he's one of the top couple of guys in the Big Twelve Conference, whatever mm-hmm. that that to me would be breaking out. Okay, and so I think he still can do that. Plus, if if he's having that kind of success, what does that mean? It means your offensive line is doing well, and it also mm-hmm. means probably you're having one or two wide receivers that are having big seasons as well. So yeah. Baron Morton's like the he's like the point guard that gets everybody else involved. Well, that's what a quarterback does, and if he's playing well, usually that means good things for other other guys. Yeah. So I mean. He's he's the guy I want to have that breakout season because um, because of everything that you just said because if he's if he's doing that then then man it just raises the and the other thing too is if if he stays healthy and all, all signs point to him being able to have that breakout season and just in terms of all the all the measurables that he's got right I mean yeah. everything that he has has going for him. So, okay, so let, let me do this. Since we all agree on that one, let's take Baron Morton off you off the board. You can't <laughs> you can't pick him. I that well, I think you gave the right answer, Chuck. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean that's good because I mean there there've there been times when I haven't given the right answer and, and <laughs> So I'm happy to I'm happy to I'm happy to give the right answer for a for a change. Okay. Um so from a okay, so then then here's here's the other thing is then you look at your you look at your wide receiver core, and do you say uh, Koy Aiken because you know you, you kind of look at him and go, man, I 
he had a good year, uh, but I think there's I think there's more there. Or do you say uh, Dre McRae because he hasn't necessarily had what you were looking for yet? He's got the speed, and he's certainly been really good on from a um, you know uh, special catch, teams uh, a rich, it's special teams guy, mm-hmm. but you'd like to see more out of him at the receiver position, especially becoming a deep threat. So I'm going to say Dre McRae. Okay. So who do I want to have a breakout season? And and this is going to sound a a little ridiculous, but it's for justification, I guess would be the way to put this. Uh, Micah Hudson. I want to have a breakout season, whatever those numbers would actually be. I know he's going to be a incoming freshman. So by definition, it's a quote unquote breakout year since he's, breaking out of high school for this, but there's going to be so much expectations on this kid as he comes in as a freshman that there's no way he could absolutely live up to them. Like they're, if he's half of what Michael Crabtree was, he would have led your team in receptions last year, like insane numbers that people are expecting. And I just want him to be really good and, and show everybody the reason why he is as highly recruited as he was. And so that he doesn't have to answer the questions. Well, what's been going? What's wrong here? Why is it not working? Like, I want to avoid that. That's not fun. And someone who I think will, Mason Tharp, I think you can finally start using your tight ends this year, that it will be a situation where some of your short yardage stuff can really be benefited from what some of your wide receivers do and hopefully a little more focus on the run. So that when you do, when you are in your pass, when you are in your passing offense, that those guys can get out there and actually catch some passes. I, I'm concerned, I, and I just I, I don't know anything, um, but I'm just I'm I'm curious as to what Mason Tharp's availability can be or will be, uh, just because of the number of concussions that it kind of sounds like he's had. Okay. I would say in the history of uh, Jamie's question of the day, Mason Tharp has been answered more times than <laughs> any other player. <laughs> I, I just wanted, I want it pointed out that I did not bring up Mason Tharp today. Yeah. Okay. So the guy that I really want to have a breakout year, it's CJ mm. Baskerville. I feel like he's got to be the leader in the secondary. He had a couple picks mm. for you last year. Um, mm. But I'd love to see him have like a ball hawking year where he's got five or six turnovers forced, you know, whether it be interceptions, fumble recoveries, whatever. Um, You just need, you need one of those veteran guys to step up in the defensive backfield, just because I feel like you're going to be playing some young guys back there. So Baskerville is the guy that I would say that I want to have a breakout year. And the guy that I think will have a breakout year, it's Micah Hudson. I mean, he's a top 10 recruit in the country um, or, or top 10 wide receiver in the country. Uh, you know, I think top five wide receiver in the country. I think he's, uh, I, I think he's got the potential to be extremely, extremely good. No, I don't expect him to be Michael Crabtree, his redshirt freshman year, but I expect him to be a huge, huge factor in this offense. So, um, technically, he's going from zero to whatever he goes to since he hasn't played yet. Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe that makes it easy for him to break out. But I, I think he. There's a great chance he ends up, you know, catching the most balls on the team and and leading and uh, re- uh, receiving yards as well. So, um, I'm I'm really anxious to see him. Um, 
you know, uh, I just, I just wonder what people's, I wonder what coach McGuire's true expectation or coach Kidley's true expectation will be for Micah Hudson. I mean, like what will define like success for him in, uh, in his first year? Um, what are his expectations? Um, I think you can put his expectations at like, um, 60 to 70 catches, you know, anywhere from 800 to 1200 yards receiving Mm -hmm. five, six, seven scores, something like that. Okay. So, I mean, and, and you, you would certainly think he'd be a guy that could have a hundred yard receiving game before the bowl game. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean that's fair. It's fair. That's a fair statement, right? Because that's what that's what it took. You, that's what it took you last year. Um, and I, I think this is a good comment off the Yates Flooring Center chat line that if if Micah Hudson plays and he's going to play, he will have the attention of the secondary and will lead to someone else being open. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would like to. Uh, you would like to think the two veteran receivers you brought in through the portal—one from Florida, one from. Washington State mm-hmm. also help in that mix. Uh, somebody brings up Ben Roberts to follow up a great freshman season. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair. Uh, somebody brings up Braylon Lux. I think the break, play that breaks out is Amir Washington. Okay. Uh, we get this. Sorry, I'm just able to join Chuck. Coach Hamby, thanks you for the jinx. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you did bring it up uh, yesterday. I did. I did. There's no doubt. I thought about that as soon as I saw that went, Oh, wow. What a quinky thing. Uh, if Baron Morton has a breakout, the red Raiders have a breakout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, I think that's yeah, why we all, why we all agreed. That was the best answer. Okay. So, uh, a breakout for the red. So like, if you looked at it from a team standpoint, would you say nine regular season wins is qualifies as breakout? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'd even put eight in that conversation. Would you? I would. You don't just have a ton of eight-win seasons in the regular season. That's. I mean that that's that's fair, Jamie. Would you would you agree with Jeff on that? No. Okay. I would agree with nine. Okay. okay. Eight just seems like a positive step. It doesn't feel like a breakout. Yeah, there you go. I like that. Eight's a positive step. Nine is a breakout. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. It is great to have you with us today on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com. Wherever you may be today, you can weigh in on the Eight's Flooring Center chat line. Go to Double T 97.3.com for that or the mobile app. Visual Edge IT hotline is open, too, at 806 806- Seven seven one zero nine seven three. We come to you this morning from the First United Bank Studio, and again, look forward to hearing from you on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Uh, we get this, Jamie, uh, with regard to the uh, the Dartmouth ruling and the uh, the NCAA and the unions and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the thing is, NIL unions, et cetera, should have happened thirty plus years ago. The NCAA was holding on to an illusion that is now causing unrest in the sport today. I don't, I don't know about that. I think, I think you can look at, at a lot of these situations and go, 
hey, they've had it really good. I mean, they get books, they get tuition, they get meals, they get housing, they get, you know, full cost of uh, tuition and attendance and things like that. And um, man, it's, uh, they get an awful lot. Uh, and we're talking about the full fledged scholarship athletes, football, men's and women's basketball, and um, whatever other sports get the, the full fledged, not the, not the ones that get the partials, which is uh, track and, and baseball. Yeah. It's hard to um, argue that. The, go, go ahead. I was going to say, it's just hard to argue that they, they've been mistreated. I mean, it's, I mean, because 30 years ago, the, the financials and the economics are substantially different than what they are today. I mean, you know, the, the athletic department budget for Texas tech is, was probably 30 years ago, 10% of what it is today. And, and much like many other universities, especially in the, in the big 12. So it, the dynamics have, have obviously changed. And I think they've, they've, they've changed substantially over the last couple of years, but man, you want more and more and more. What are you going to do? You're going to start with going to go out on strike. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we just, we've seen, we mean the lack of kind of control and leadership that the NCAA has provided, I think is, or lack thereof has definitely factored into um, just the craziness that's going on in, in college athletics. And it wasn't like a gradual step. It was just like we went zero to 60. Right. Um, and it was, um, I think it's a, it was a little bit just shocking how it changed so quickly. And so, so many things were just, it felt like the NCAA basically just threw their arms up and said, okay, do whatever you want to do. And, and in my opinion, that was all because of fear of litigation from student yeah. athletes and what was coming. I think they figured out that it's coming sooner or later. So if we want to be a part of this, you know, mm -hmm. what's going on in college sports, we have to basically let them do what they want to do. And I think that's what they did. I think that's where we are right now. And um, I, you know, I mean, it's, you know, obviously that was a story yesterday and I, and I understand it, but none of it's surprising to me anymore. Um, mm -hmm. And so I just kind of, as I've told you guys before, um, rather than get all bent out of shape and, and find myself not interested in college sports because of it. I try to just not pay attention to it and just try to focus on what's going on on the field. And yeah. that's that's what I try to do. So when I saw the headline for the Dartmouth story, again, it's a story. I didn't read it. Okay? I didn't read it. I just, I just want to focus on what's going on on the field. And that way I don't get... Um, you know, frustrated or bothered or whatever. I, I don't want to be harder on college athletes now or expect more from them because I know how much money they're making or how much money their, you know, their, their teammates are making. I, I love the fact this year, our men's basketball program, I don't know how much everybody's making. I hated that. We all knew it all last year and it, you know, it factored into my, um, you know, it being hard for me to root for that basketball team, especially when you saw the way that they played and it wasn't together, yeah. you know? So I, I mean, do what you want to do, Dartmouth. I, I really don't care. Um, but it's, it feels like this is where it's going. Um, this has kind of felt that way for a while. And, again, I just feel like the NCAA has just kind of given up hope of controlling all of this stuff for fear of litigation. And so I don't know what it's going to lead to in 20, 30 years. I, I really don't. I, I really don't. But um, it's definitely going to keep changing. And it, and it may be one of those deals eventually where um, 
be careful what you wish for. Uh, you might get it, and there might be some the consequences that come as a result of that that you didn't intend on uh, getting. And and we have yet to see you yeah, know, but, kind of the full look, what, impact on that. Whatever that is, I mean, aren't they still going to come out positive with all the NIL money that they're making and all that? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, so there may be some negatives to that, but it's still going to be a win for them with it, the fact that they're getting paid large sums of money to play basketball or whatever. Right. No, I, 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 I you're right. I mean, I, I think that there, there's massive, you know, implications here and, and, you know, but I also think that at some point in time, it's going to get turned around on them a little bit that, hey, you're getting all of this, but it's not guaranteed, uh, at least yet, uh-huh. you know, um, and and you're, well, it may turn into being more two-way streets in terms of how, how things are done. Like if you're not performing or if you're not uh, able to retain uh, the knowledge that's needed, whether it's the basketball team or the football team, then then these things are kind of year to year deals here, and you're not going to have the opportunity to play here next year. We're not we're not in a growing situation. We're in a performance based business, and you got to perform now, or you're not going to be a part of the team. I, I think another unintended consequence of this whole thing is is leadership, and that when you're seeing up, upperclassmen come in and transfer into universities that don't have skins on the wall and maybe underclassmen either do or think they do, uh, that it's, it's hard to get that on-court leadership from, from your, from your seniors and your juniors. And I think we're seeing part of that right now with this lady Raider basketball program that they, they desperately need somebody to grab the horns of this thing uh, on the floor. I'm not talking about the coaches. I'm talking about the players, but the problem is the upperclassmen players haven't, haven't performed at a level where the underclassmen can go, oh, yeah, show us how to do it because that's not been the case yet. And so, you know, when you when you see this movement all around the country, um, sometimes you, you, you all these coaches want to have player led teams. It's hard to have a player led team when the people that you're depending on to be the, the leaders aren't aren't performing. And so therefore they don't have the street cred with the younger players that that they would if they'd been there for two or three years, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think we're seeing, I think we're seeing that firsthand right now. And so hopefully one of the things they want to see tonight is they want to, they want to see players talking to each other. They want to see tight huddles. They want to see people, Hey, this is what we need to do against this person right now. Cause the coach can't do everything in every huddle or every little timeout that are, that take place on the floor. So I think, Hopefully, we'll see a more spirited effort tonight here in Morgantown, and a more uh, together, uh, and a and a more kind of just some grit more than anything else. Uh, I, I would expect to see all that. I don't know that I'm going to expect to see a win tonight because they got to do a hell of a lot to win tonight. But one thing they can do is they can play harder, and they can fight for balls, and they can fight for rebounds, and they can tell each other what to do. But somebody has to be a voice out there uh, tonight for this. Um, for this Lady Raider team. And and I think part of this is all about the, the transfers and the money and the NIL, because if you're, you're coming to a place to get paid and you don't perform, then, then people aren't going to, your voice, your voice becomes mute. Uh, Eight to 10 this morning here on the morning drive. And we'll take your thoughts and comments on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to double T 97.3. 
Facebook.com for that of the mobile app. We'll have Tech Men's Basketball tonight at 7, the tip at 8 from Waco. The women play tonight in Morgantown. We'll have the tip at 6, our coverage on 107.7 Yes FM. This has been the Morning Drive Podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at double T 97.3.com.